Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. Now, in the spring of 2022, the world is a very different place compared to where it was before the worldwide outbreak of a novel virus two years ago. In particular, for many individuals, the way they think about public health and personal sickness and hygiene has radically changed. The question now becomes, is that change of thinking a good thing or a bad thing? Is that change of thinking closer in line with God's truth or farther away from divine principles? In this episode, the central point that I will make is that good medicine follows God's prescriptions. When people look for prescriptions to stay healthy, if said prescriptions violate biblical principles, then we can be assured that bad medicine is being practiced. And by prescriptions to stay healthy, what I am specifically referring to are health policies that guide how a community responds to sickness while maintaining proper order. Accordingly, good medicine must follow God's prescriptions because He is the one who made our bodies, our minds, and the world in which we live. He is also the one who designed how our bodies operate and has supplied His principles for our benefit. As is always the case, the Christian has confidence that God's word is sufficient for everything we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3 So, where can we find basic biblical principles as it pertains to public health? And the answer is, we find it in the book Christians Probably Read the Least, Leviticus. The overall theme of Leviticus is holiness. That is, because God had separated the Hebrews for himself out of Egyptian bondage, the Lord now calls his people to separate themselves unto him and walk in purity. That separation is ultimately orchestrated by God and is played out in the everyday lives of his people. Because they are the Lord's, they live a certain way. Leviticus chapters 13 to 15 addresses the issues of contagious diseases and quarantine. In particular, these three chapters offer instruction for dealing with leprosy. The one thing I must note is that in Leviticus, the primary concern is not public health. The primary concern was ritual purity or separating those who are ritually unfit from coming before the Lord. Still, in Leviticus, God speaks through the issue of leprosy to communicate eternal principles. As a result, the ancient wisdom provides fitting instruction for us today. Accordingly, our scripture focus will be Leviticus 13 verses 1 to 6 and 45 to 46. These verses communicate the test for leprosy and what the appropriate response would be. The text says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When someone has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall look at the infected area on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. 
But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the person who has the infection for seven days. Then the priest shall look at him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the infection has not changed, and the infection has not spread on his skin, then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days." The priest shall then look at him again on the seventh day, and if the infected area has faded and the infection has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a rash, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. Now here's what verses 45 to 46 says. As for the person who has the leprous infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and call out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. He shall live outside the camp. Good medicine follows God's prescription. So what are three principles our text explains that help us to navigate any modern health crisis? Principle number one, getting sick is a part of life. Therefore, God's prescription nudges us to recognize his good providential care in directing human illness. The first thing we notice about our text is that God knows from time to time that someone will come down with leprosy. That's why he provides instruction on how to test for it and subsequently deal with it when it's discovered. Leviticus 3.2 says, When someone has on the skin of his body a swelling or scab or bright spot, and it becomes infection leprosy on the skin of his body. The text does not say if they have leprosy, but when. Accordingly, if you are a human being who lives in reality, then you will get sick. This is how life has worked since the fall in the Garden of Eden. Consider, for example, the plethora of biblical examples of people who had a bodily illness. There's the woman with the issue of menstrual bleeding, Mark 5, 25-34, the man born blind, John 9, 1-12, or the fact that Timothy had stomach problems and frequent ailments, 1 Timothy 5, 23. The only people who don't get bodily illnesses are those who are already dead. Hence, it would be foolish to ever think that the world would ever be sickness-free or to strive to live in a zero-illness environment. And if anyone does strive to make life sickness-free, they will end up destroying life in the process. The human body is fallen, and as a result, we have an inherent disposition toward degeneration and decay. Romans 5, 12-21. We inhabit ailing, hurting, disease-prone, dying bodies, and this temporary earthly reality ought to focus our attention on the eternal, heavenly reality. Many are afraid of sickness because they are afraid of death and the Lord they will meet when they are gone. This is one reason why some are so zealous about not getting sick and controlling the world around them. This also makes sense because in a worldview less God, death is not a comma, it's a period. Death must therefore be avoided by any means necessary. Getting sick is not only a part of life, but God, by his good, gracious, providential ordering of the world, has also allowed sickness in the world. Realize what this means. God has plagued the world with diseases, and because he has done that, the fact that those diseases are here is good. 
if they were not good and did not serve the greatest long-term good, they would not be here. Nothing escapes God's sovereign control, so to think that diseases are somehow a mistake or not in God's plan suggests that God isn't really God. The ultimate reason why COVID exists is not because it leaked from a lab after being designed. The real reason it exists is because God allowed it to exist, as well as the human agents who played secondary roles. Furthermore, in His goodness, what God has also done is allow diseases to provide evidence of clinical disease, meaning if you are sick, then you feel sick and look sick. You have objective evidence of an illness, so someone can say, look at this, there's something clearly wrong. If you have leprosy, you have a characteristic skin lesion, and if you have the flu, you have a fever or coughing and feel like you've been hit by a truck. God did not design the world so that people have an illness, feel fine, and then all of a sudden just die. They first demonstrate evidence of sickness. Hence, God did not leave us defenseless, but provided a medical map of certain things to look for and specialists who are trained and equipped to diagnose a problem. In ancient times, those specialists were the priests. As it says in Leviticus 13.3, The priest shall look at the infected area on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white, and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. Now, of course, we don't have Levitical priests, but we do have medical doctors who can examine you and make the appropriate diagnosis. Because a person who is suspected of having leprosy is brought to a priest, this also tells us the wise thing to do is never to dismiss or minimize symptoms, but to seek an expert opinion. And that expert opinion is not Google. Medical treatment is most effective, both for the person and the community, when a disease is recognized early and the appropriate protocols are followed and treatment is prescribed. And in the case of a sick person, just as they readily went to a priest to get a diagnosis, the loving thing that a modern sick person ought to do is to immediately recognize when they feel sick and then stay away from others. They certainly ought not to deny their symptoms. Furthermore, in His sovereignty, God also allowed for diseases to be transmitted to others. Thus, when the Christian affirms God's goodness in the symptomatic transmission of infection, what subsequently becomes clear is that blame is not to be placed on those who are sick. Those who had leprosy were not burdened with discrimination because of a suspicion of wrongdoing, as if they deserved to suffer or belong to a people group that has blamed with causing an outbreak. In fact, there is no indication in Leviticus chapters 13 to 14 that those who had a skin disease had committed a sin for which they deserve punishment. I can still remember testing a husband and wife a few months ago. The husband was sick first and then her. They both tested positive for COVID. In the room, she was enraged and called her lawyer so that she could divorce him. Why? Because she blamed him for getting COVID and then blamed him again for giving it to her. I kept silent, yet what I thought in my mind was that although people are biased, COVID does not discriminate. It can infect anyone, anywhere, anytime, regardless of what it is you are or are not doing. The point is not to blame the sick, because the ultimate cause is beyond any human being. As I alluded to before, what sickness should do is remind all people to look upward, not inward. 
We do not have ultimate control of our lives, but God does. Natural sickness is never our greatest concern, but our standing with God is. This means if the world were ever to experience another pandemic, whether it be Ebola, smallpox, the bubonic plague, or something else, the worst thing churches could do is shut down or close in the interest of safety. If the church is in this for safety, then the church is not really the church. What Christ church is called to do is preach and teach the word so that even if someone's body is crushed, their spirit will be safe. Yes, Christians are called to love their neighbor, but if you love their physical health at the expense of their soul, then you are in fact hating them in disguise. That was the first principle. Getting sick is a part of life. And we must recognize God's good providential care in directing human illness. Here now is the second principle. Principle number two, adhere to narrow intervention. This means you don't intervene in the lives of everyone, just those who are contagious. God's prescription says that you isolate sick people based on concrete symptoms. You do not isolate healthy people. In order to test someone for leprosy, someone had to have some type of skin abnormality. The priests were not performing leprosy exams on people whose skin was spotless. Subsequently, after a thorough exam, if the person had a characteristic lesion of leprosy, only then would they be declared unclean and separated from the rest of the people. And what principle undergirds all of this? Narrow intervention. The priests would only intervene when someone demonstrated concrete evidence of a clinical disease. They treated sick people like they are sick and left the healthy folks alone. What the priests would never do is isolate someone who did not have a leprous skin lesion, nor would they let free someone who failed leprosy test. The concept of quarantine is found in the Bible, and the Word of God teaches us plainly narrow intervention is a biblical principle. My point in all of this is that in the last two years, we have seen a medicalization of everyday life. People seek out testing for a clinical disease when they have no symptoms of a clinical disease. The healthy and asymptomatic are like people who have spotless skin, yet present to the priest for a leprosy exam. You can't imagine how many thousands of people I've tested in the past two years who are not sick or not traveling, have had no exposure, but came in just to know. Such a way of conduct defies not only biblical principles, but logic as well. Narrow intervention also places a degree of responsibility on the shoulders of the sick person. In Leviticus 13.45, the text says, As for the person who has a leprous infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and call out, Unclean, unclean. Here, God commands the leper to uncover his head and to have his clothes torn. He also covers his mustache, a sign of mourning, and broadcasts his condition to those around him. This means the leper had a characteristic appearance that would alert those around him of his condition and distinguish himself from the rest of the community. Of course, the leper was called to do this because his active infection could infect others and the law set out to protect them. The modern corollary is that isolation, distancing, and personal protective equipment makes perfect logical sense only for the one who is established to be sick. It makes no sense for those who are healthy. 
The principle is narrow intervention. So far, we've talked about how narrow intervention applies to the person making a diagnosis and the individual who is sick. But what about all the healthy people? Well, the other side of narrow intervention also requires the community at large to have accurate information about disease spread so common people can use common sense in their everyday lives. For example, the people understood to stay away from lepers because prolonged sustained contact could get them sick. Furthermore, in Leviticus 15, 1-27, the people were also warned about physical contact with impure persons, their body fluids, and the objects they had touched. Why? Because if a person came into contact with such things, they ran the risk of becoming impure. Such awareness would have motivated avoidance. The point is that accurate information about contagious diseases ought to be brought to light so that everyone can make sober health decisions. Now, in 2022, what we know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that COVID is an illness spread by respiratory droplets. Meaning what? It's spread when someone who has it coughs or sneezes near you, but COVID is not predominantly spread by contact. This means you do not get COVID by touching a surface, by shaking hands, or by handling a doorknob. Hence, in pursuit of accurate information about contagious diseases, it is now evident that for the general public, all the hand sanitizing and surface cleaning is a complete waste of time. Even more, what we now know is that COVID is not spread by casual contacts, but is spread by intimate ones. There's a reason why the number one place of spread of COVID outside of healthcare facilities is the home. That is, it's not the casual stranger that we pass in a crowd that is the biggest threat to us. It's the person that's in our house that we're in close contact with for hours upon hours. Certainly, the average person may hear that and say, but I've heard something radically different all along. And sadly, what you've heard all along from the health powers that be is likely to have misinformation, not accurate information. We now know much more than we did two years ago, and it behooves everyone to act based on accurate information of disease spread. So, principle number two is adhere to narrow intervention. The last principle is closely related to the second. Principle number three. God's prescription says that good public health is consistent with the interests of private individuals. It is crucial to understand that in Leviticus 13, 1-6, there are only two individuals involved. The priest who acts as the medical provider and the patient who is suspected of having leprosy. The priest then advises and treats one person. He follows the principle of narrow intervention and does not treat the community at large. The text deals with the problem of a contagious disease on the level of the individual because, after all, the public is merely a collection of individuals. Hence, good public health starts with good private health, and good public health seeks to rightly order the whole community. It does not seek to turn the entire community into a leper colony. The modern applications are readily obvious. Individual doctors treat their individual patients without outside interference. Doctors don't treat the public at large or people they are not directly responsible for. And let us not miss that it was the responsibility of the priests to manage the issue of leprosy. It was not the job of a tribal leader, a prophet, or a judge. What we have unfortunately seen in the past two years is an explosion of people who pretend like they are medical doctors, but who are not. 
Examples include non-clinical physicians on TV, politicians, employers, and school administrators. The Bible teaches us to let individuals make good decisions for themselves and their families based on good information. Since good public health is consistent with good private care, this means we don't assume asymptomatic people are sick and potential COVID carriers. This persuades against lockdowns, mandatory public masking, school closures, or any other disruption of everyday life for the population at large. The driver of outbreaks has always been the symptomatic, so it makes no sense to burden the asymptomatic. Let us not forget that identifying, separating, and quarantining the sick for a given amount of time, as Leviticus instructs, is not the norm. It is a special situation for select individuals. It is therefore a violation of biblical principles to treat everyone like a leper and force them in various ways out of normal life. This perverse modern paradigm disorders the whole community. Unfortunately, when bad public health policies are enforced, it is not the nebulous public that suffers, it's always individuals. Consider, for example, what would happen to the Israelites if they were all treated like lepers. What would happen is that they would physically starve to death because they could not gather manna every day. Even worse, they would spiritually starve to death because they could not participate in worship at the temple. And this is exactly what happened in the spring of 2020 when secular authorities enforced bad public health policies and did treacherous things like forced churches to close down. And what was the result? A disordering of the spiritual community with no to little health benefit. Where is the wisdom and justice to be found there? What we do the most for, that is our God. Many in the Christian church demonstrated that they did the most for government's edicts while ignoring God's. This trauma has graciously nudged many believers to tangibly learn a penetrating lesson, that secular authority and its edicts are not inherently virtuous. They are in fact neutral, and to determine their virtue, they must first be compared with God's truth. Therefore, blindly appealing to authority without first considering the quality and morality of that authority will get you into trouble. So that's our third and final principle. God's prescription says that good public health is consistent with the interests of private individuals. In today's episode, we've talked about an Old Testament law and how it helped the ancient Israelites order their community when it came to navigating particular contagious diseases. Yet, as it is always the case, the earthly is designed to draw our attention to the heavenly and the deficiencies of the Old Testament law are designed to point us to Christ. First, we are fallen creatures, and as a result, our bodies are prone to disease and decay. Second, the lepers in the Old Testament had no means to heal themselves. They had to present themselves to a priest who could judge but not treat. The only thing a Levitical priest could offer is identification and isolation. And neither was anyone saved nor condemned by isolation. Third, what the priest could not do, Christ can do. Recall what happened in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus cured a man of leprosy and made him whole again. Luke 5, 12 16 says, While Jesus was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he reached out with his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus proved himself to be the greater high priest. 
Subsequently, it is necessary for us to look to Him for wisdom while also listening to the wisdom of modern medicine that aligns with God's truth. Still, our ultimate focus is on Christ, who demonstrates not only what Christians should know, but also how we ought to live in His light despite the foolish darkness of this world. This focus is necessary because what is painfully obvious is that what is happening in the world has ignored and is ignoring God's wisdom when it comes to public health. So, I will leave you with this. Let us all reflect on what has happened in the past two years, and let us not waste the crisis. If for nothing else, we must all think biblically about life, even in matters as minute as contagious skin conditions and the ailments of one person versus the rest of the community. In the end, what the whole canon of Scripture teaches us is that we are all spiritual lepers who have a condition, sin, that separates us from God and separates us from others. No one can heal themselves, which is why we need Christ. And Jesus reached out with his hand and touched the leper, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.